Well, I have an exciting podcast for you today. We want to welcome Karen Johnson. Karen was one of the founders of IDEA. Her story is absolutely amazing. She's going to share how she was creating content for a black and white light bulb displays and how that took her around the world and beyond. Let's welcome Karen. First of all, today on the IDA podcast, I want to welcome Karen Johnson. So thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you very much for inviting me. I'm very excited to be here. So you are a long time, probably one of the founders of the IDEA organization. I am one of the I am one of the founders. <laughs> okay, that is so amazing. So back me up. Tell me a little bit about how did the organization start? What did it look like at the beginning as you got involved? Well, this was really exciting. It was, um, um, we got into animation, got in in 19, uh, 1982 with the Brewers, and um, we started doing scoreboard animation with them. And then more and more, um, more and more baseball teams started doing scoreboard animation. I mean, not animation, but doing uh, replays and mm-hmm. uh, video replays. And um, they wanted to organize and have a meeting. And we were doing animation back then for every single baseball team, you know, in the country. And so they all wanted to organize. And um, we came up with this idea because they couldn't actually organize on their own. Um, <laughs> either their teams wouldn't let them or the umpires. It was pretty crazy uh, because it was such new technology that um, we came up with this idea that we would host an animation seminar a scoreboard animation seminar in Racine, Wisconsin, in the middle of winter. Oh my invite goodness! All the, uh, <laughs> invite all the scoreboard operators, and that way, they could come and they could meet and organize. So the idea wasn't formed back then, yet until they came to Racine, Wisconsin, in the middle of a blizzard, probably you know 24 inches of snow, and oh. we put them up and had meetings, and that's where we started talking about. Um, forming the organization and they called it IDEA and we did the logo. So it's pretty exciting. How many Um, people were at that first meeting? I am not sure under 20, under 20, but they were all, you know, from all over the, all over the country, Paul Schubin, Paul Darst, everyone, everyone came. And it was a, like I said, a a secret meeting to get together (laughs) and talk about the future of, um, you know, of the scoreboards. And the electronic displays, and that's where it was born. And so we were very excited to be part of the very, very, very first, even before they formed the organization. So it was held in the middle of winter over a weekend in Wisconsin. Oh, my goodness. That's incredible. So maybe back up a little bit and tell me about your journey. So you've been involved in animation and content and creative for many, many years. So many, many years. Yeah. How did you get into creating this content for video boards or for matrix displays? Well, my partner and I owned an animation studio in Wisconsin and we were doing, you know, typical television commercials. We loved, loved animation more than anything. Mm -hmm. And in 1982, we got a call from the brewers and they were looking for somebody to do animation on their brand new giant black and white scoreboard <laughs> because they knew they could do video. It was an Omega. They knew they yep. could do video um, video displays, but they wanted to add animation. And for an animator, it was like, 
we'll pay you to be able to do this. <laughs> this yeah, so right, exciting. right. This are is you, so exciting. Are you, are you kidding me? So we we were very, very young, and we we um, we got hired by the brewers and started creating these generic animations, you know, the screaming home run and, mm-hmm. you know, all of those classic animations. We were the very first animation studio in the country to develop these animations because it was new technology. And uh, Gabe Paul Jr. invited us to speak at the winter baseball meetings in Hawaii that, oh, in 1982. Nice. <laughs> I, know, I know. And it was, it was amazing. And we were just, we were just young kids and just loved animation so much that our lecture was basically the history of animation. <laughs> I mean, who does that in the marketing world, right? Yeah. And we were hired by, we were hired by every single baseball team, everyone. And so we started selling these generic animations, traveling all over and entering them in the scoreboards, you know, um, one frame at a time. So we would draw them at 12 frames per second. Really? And then uh, enter them and digitize, basically digitize them on these low resolution, tiny little uh, cameras that went from, you know, white all the way down to black. That's how it was. And we would really? draw the pictures on like 16 by 20 paper because that's the only way that they could, they could, um, you know, digitize them. And then we started selling them to every single baseball team. And then it branched off into basketball, football, hockey. We did the Olympics in 84 and Super Bowls. Did work for um, Japanese teams. I mean, it was pretty incredible. So we had a really good, <laughs> really good run. And it was a lot of, a lot of fun. That's incredible. So you're saying you drew it on a piece of paper, would digitize it and put all of those individual papers together, you know, digitizations and create the animation and play it. Right. Because animation is 12 drawings per second. And we had to draw them because it was such low resolution. Right. I mean, basically you had light bulbs, right? Either the light bulbs were all the way on or all the way off. Yeah. And so we had this tiny little camera and we'd place the drawings underneath. And then depending on what the exposure was, it would show, show the drawing and then it would run it at 12 drawings, you know, 12 drawings per second, like traditional animation. So it was very, very low tech. And so what we did is we would incorporate, you know, just um, really funny animations and uh, people, you know, people just went crazy over them. (laughs) That's incredible. So you did that for a number of years and continue yes. to grow your business and mm-hmm. continue to do animation. Tell me a little bit about what did IDA mean to you? Like, obviously, as being a, one of the founders of the organization, it's obviously so close to your heart. But just tell me more about, like, what did it mean to you in your career? Well, it was it was wonderful. These people were like pioneers, you know, mm-hmm. these scoreboard operators, because they were breaking barriers left and right, this had never been, you know, this technology had never been used before to, you know, have video replays and have, um, you know, have animation and have the responsibility that they had. They were like mini television studios in a sports complex. And these were the, these, these um, scoreboard operators had so much, so much responsibility. They had to do things in real time with, um, low tech technology, (laughs) but they, you know, they did it. They were amazing. And so we made a lot of friends. We would go to the conferences every year and, 
and they were just um just a wonderful wonderful group of people and just sharing ideas that was a wonderful time in my life yeah and i think that's probably what resonates the most for me as i've had these podcasts and i've talked to people who are part of this organization i don't think you understand the close friendships and the relationships that you really gain through this oh and that absolutely. sounds like absolutely. yeah absolutely Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were just just wonderful people. Okay, now kind of fast forward because I did also look like you've done more than just animations for boards. You've done so many other things within this realm of creativity. Can you talk a little bit about some of the other work that you're involved in? Oh yes, yes. My company we uh, we have done many different types of animation. We went into doing uh, worked on a feature film. Fern Gully, The Last Rainforest. I opened a studio in Toronto and hired mm-hmm. a bunch of animators there, and we did about a third of the third of the feature film. And then we also um, expanded into computer games in the early yeah. '90s when it was just uh, another new new field. I love to get into things <laughs> that are emerging, yeah. and we started working for. Um, uh, started with Pitfall Harry, the little computer game doing pixelization because we, um, you know, we were familiar with scoreboards and low resolution. So we were primed to do that and then worked our way up into doing game development and then working for uh, Fisher Price and Disney doing a lot of their games in the 90s. So that was a that was a lot of fun. And then we got into doing, um, you know, different types of technology. So it was pretty exciting. That's, so I've been in a lot of different types of pretty much every type of animation you can you can imagine we did. Okay, so that's incredible. Like you never stopped learning. You continued to no. see what was new and different out there and wanted to enter into those spaces. What gave you the confidence to do that? Well, I, I just believe that, um, you know, if you set your mind to something you can you can definitely do it and I love new technology so one project we worked on was oh that was uh, we were getting into the virtual worlds mm-hmm. you know, where you you built um online virtual worlds and yeah. I didn't have enough animators so I researched and found um found a company a small company in Belarus and hired the programmers and animators there to help work on it and flew over there <laughs> it was quite oh, interesting and this yeah, was so a woman a, in the 80s and 90s in a technology field yeah right yes yes and so yeah and so that wasn't you know it for, first of all it wasn't as common right and you so you were probably one of the few women as that was part of IDA and and also in some of these other spaces, it probably there probably weren't very many women. Oh no, not at all, not at all. Yeah. Especially, um, <clears throat> especially in animation, right. um, it was mostly men. And you know, I was just always driven by my love of animation and how you could push, you know, push the boundaries of animation. And it was we always stayed true to, you know, our our love of two D animation and. Mm-hmm. And just like I said, we just pushed the boundaries. And so I was always fascinated by technology and looking for new ways to um, to use use that technology. 
What would you, so this is a question because I'm part of the women's group at IDA and you'd be surprised. Like, I think that was the last time, how long ago was it that you were at a conference? It was, I know when you got your, when you were nominated and part of the GMAs, but have you been since, you know, in the last three years or so? No, I have not. You'd be surprised. It's crazy. You walk around and there's women. <laughs> really? You're, oh you know, the bathroom, there's a line now. <laughs> Oh, I should. I will definitely come to one. I will. I will. That sounds so exciting. You yeah, know, de- you definitely could. different. Different back then. It was, yeah. And even when I was started, oh gosh, in the nineties, I was one of the few. And you know, you never waited in line to go to the bathroom. But now we're waiting in line <laughs> sometimes to go to the bathroom. I'm like, that's my measuring stick. <laughs> that's your measuring stick. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. Yeah. Well, Liz, yeah. Liz Burke Brown from she yep. was the first two. She was, yeah. um, she was the first woman too. That was exciting. Yeah, that is, that's incredible. So tell me of other memories. What is one of your favorite memories of the industry or IDA as a whole? Well, again, just the conferences, just, just being with people and, um, you know, learning the new technology and just making friendships. That was, mm-hmm. that was the, that was the most fun. That was mm-hmm. that was really the most fun. What about okay, you've done tons of animations, right? What has mm-hmm. been like what were some of your favorite that you remember creating and then seeing on the displays? Well, one of the craziest things was um because again, it was new technology and extremely right. low tech. Extremely yeah. low tech and that's why a lot of times we got called to um to do animations. And uh, the Olympics in Los Angeles, um, that was an example. They had two scoreboards. They had a black and white and a color side okay. by side. And uh, Marvin Hamlish, you know, uh, created the song Welcome for the Olympics. And we got a call that they had done all of the color video. I mean, the the color video filming, right? Because yeah. You could use traditional filmmakers and editors to do that, but they had absolutely nothing for the black and white scoreboard. Oh. So they called us a month before the Olympics in a panic and said, we need someone to animate the opening ceremonies animation. <laughs> like, oh my okay, goodness. We can do that. Yeah, we can do that. And so they, um, I, it was the word welcome in, you know, 14 different languages. And again, we had to do that by hand. So, oh my gosh. you know, right now, graphics, you want to spin the word welcome, you just push a button. But back then we had to literally, uh, you know, type out the word and then enlarge it and spin it around on paper. And, and each was an individual drawing. So for uh, How did you do that? Then, well, you you just had to use technology to blow up the word and then you animated it literally on paper. So the whole thing was done on paper in two weeks. And then I flew out there to digitize it. And um, I flew out to Los Angeles and we had two weeks, about a week before the Olympics. And I had uh, one helper and, um, you know, he helped me do the the digitizing. And it was, uh, again, a, a tiny little control room way up at the top. Yeah. And the color people we're at the end and then us little black and white people <laughs> at the beginning. And then like uh, three days before the Olympics, someone ran up the stairs panting because we were practicing and showing it on the board. And they said, Japanese is upside down. 
We're like, oh my God. (laughs) We had the word, we're like, well, who's going to notice? But we could tell all the Japanese people in the audience to stand on their heads or something. So we fixed that. (laughs) We we dodged that bullet. And then the more, and then we were running it, but it wasn't, it's not like traditional video and audio. It's not, it's not connected, right? It's a Mm -hmm. computer running an animation basically and audio separate so we kept practicing and practicing and practicing to get it synced up and the hours before the olympics opened the sync was off so it was like almost 30 seconds off and we're oh, like, oh my god no. what are we gonna? i was in a panic i'm like what are we gonna do it's like people are starting to come into the stadium and so the guy said well let's go to lunch i'm like are you kidding me he said yeah what are we gonna do let's go to lunch so we left the control room, went down, had lunch, came back up, turned on the computer, you know, and yeah. I had to just push the button, you know, and the the announcer says, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Olympics in Los Angeles, the 1984 Olympics. And we pushed the button and it ran perfectly. It was just that the computer was overheated. <laughs> people are like what do you mean your computers were overheated they don't remember the back of the day where you had extra fans on the backs right yeah to keep yeah, cool. yeah. When we, we had even called we called everybody and said what happened what happened we don't know we don't know i said are you kidding your technicians nope we don't know so by just going to lunch then it ran perfectly and the funny thing was um we had some issues with the color video because the color video people thought you know you're just uh inferior black and white scoreboard people right you know we're the real sh- we're the real show so we, we had all this animosity between us and <laughs> then the olympics then the then the opening ceremonies came on and our animation ran just perfectly perfect oh. time and then the color was beautiful and then they released these foil balloons yeah and they hit the power lines oh. and both scoreboards went out and because ours was ours was low tech our black yeah. and white scoreboard popped back on and the color oh. one stayed out for a while. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that as you walk so past were... their control room, you're kind of strutting like, see, yeah, that, no, that I think I, good. I think I did a ra- I think I did a raspberry on the balcony. <laughs> ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was fun. It was, it was insane. Absolutely insane. So that's the kind of stuff that we had to do was just like, Oh, and then the other thing that's fun is, um, the races and all the crazy yeah. thing that teams would come up with. We designed the sausages and we would do races, you know, the scoreboard races all around yep. the country. That was, that was fun. You know, these operators just came up with crazy, crazy ideas one after another. So that was always fun to, you know, to just to make the fans happy. Right. Is the crazy things they would come up with. Oh, that's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. Such great memories, right? Just like being part and pioneering this whole industry that we're all, you know, we're all enjoying today <laughs> through all your good oh, work. Oh, it is. Oh, thank you. Well, and it's 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 just amazing uh, how much fun we had, and just oh, being I, part I, of part of new technology has always been something that I've loved. Yeah. So, what are you busy with nowadays? Well, actually, I am retired. And yeah, um, yeah I'm retired. I have uh, five grandchildren. I still do. Uh, I still do artwork 
I now do. I now teach painting classes. I do resin art work. I've decided now after owning an animation studio my whole career that I would, you know, what do you want to do in your bookend, right, of your life? It's yeah, like, well, yeah. now I want to just do art and just have fun. So that's what I'm yeah. doing. Uh, I, I'm absolutely enjoying myself. What did, what did you think, too, something that you made your career creatively and able to do that and just enjoy it and just be able to continue it on? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I love it. I'm having a blast. Yeah. Well, this has been such a phenomenal conversation, and I thank you so <laughs> much for taking the time. It was so well, exciting. thank you very much. Thank you so much for joining us on the IDEA podcast. To learn more about IDEA, go to www.ideaontheweb.org. Stay tuned to our next episodes as we learn more about many of the IDEA members and how their careers have been shaped as being part of the IDEA organization. Mm -hmm.